So, uh, thank you all for coming. Those, by the way, those of you who are here for the first time, I have some free yoga books for you. So don't leave without uh, your yoga book. Uh, we've been talking about half of yoga. Uh, half of yoga because yoga is just that. It's a path. <clears throat> you take it to go someplace, right? I mean, you want something for it. You're not going to do the practice of yoga just for the heck of it. So, anybody, uh, any ideas? But not just yoga. What is it, what's the goal of spiritual life? What are we trying to get? Does anybody want to? Don't be bashful. Keep up. At one minute. Huh? At one minute. At one minute. Oh, that's very good. At one minute. What does that mean? Centered, whole. Huh? Centered, whole, one with everything. One with everything? One with myself, one with all of us. One with everything. That sounds like a pizza <laughs> that a Buddhist would order. Too large. Make me one with everything. <laughs> We're already one with everything, without spiritual life. Uh, there are only five material elements. Earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Ether is space, outer space. There are no other elements. So this body of mine and your body and your body, everybody's body is made up of earth, water, fire, air, and ether. So materially, we are already one with everything. It's just the same, this body is someday going to be uh, recycled. When I die, isn't it? Some worms will eat me and, you know, it'll rot and different, it'll turn back. What is it they say in the Bible? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you see. So, uh, as far as the spirit, the uh, atma, the Jivatma, the living entity, the soul. The soul is, you could say, now keep in mind, when we start talking about spiritual things, this, the laws of the spiritual world are different than the laws of the material world. See, the laws that you and I are all used to are kind of like this. You're either this way or you're that way. You're either this or you're that. Republican, Democrat, conservative, uh, liberal. You, you see what I mean. It's either hot or it's cold. It's wet or dry, you see. So that's our material consciousness. Those are the laws of the material world. Thank you for, thank you for coming. So, uh, in the spiritual world though, the spiritual world transcends the material world. The spiritual world is a whole different realm. Things don't have to be either this or that, you see. It can be a chintya vidaveda tattva, meaning simultaneously one and different. So we are, just as the living entity, us, the soul, not the body. We're not the body. We're not going to, we the soul will not turn into ashes or into dust, okay? We're eternal. Okay, so if we analyze us, the living entity, 
we see the same chemical composition as God. You see, it's just like if you took a big 24 karat gold ingot, you know, let's say it weighs 10,000 pounds, this gigantic piece of pure gold, and you shaved off this fine little piece, and you analyze the fine little piece that you put off under a microscope, it's 24 karat gold, just like the big ingot, you see. So we're like that with God. We're made of the same uh, material. We're made of the same substance as He is. Difference is, He is very, very large, and we're very, very small. Okay? So, some uninformed people think that if we put all living entities together, we have God. Sometimes people say, well, that means that I am God, you are God, we are all God. You ever heard, anybody ever heard that philosophy? How does that sound? Does that make any sense? If you're God, why are you here? Why are you here trying to figure things out? Anybody can figure that out. You don't have to be very brilliant. She said God. because you love to. Ah. <laughs> but if you're God, why are you here struggling in this material body? If I'm God, if I'm God and you're God, why am I not why am I in this body of an old man that pains when I get up? You see? I don't know how it's from one day to the other, I don't know how it's going to digest. I don't know if it's going to sleep properly. You see? And at a certain point in time, you start to think, my days are so numbered. This body is going to extinguish pretty soon. So if I'm God, what am I doing in this predicament? Any answers? Sometimes there's some people who are pretty good at it. If I'm God, if we're all God, what's our problem? How come I don't know everything? How come I can't create a planet? How come I can't change the weather when it's 110 degrees outside? How come I can't make it rain when it hasn't rained for six months? What's my problem? You don't have the potency. Some people say, well, you're God, but you're, you've just come under the, the influence of Maya under material nature. So you've forgotten that you're God. Well, that means that Maya, or material nature, is God. If I'm God and I'm under the influence of material nature, then material nature is stronger than me. And if I'm God, I'm sure as hell not much of a God, that's for sure. Because here I am, I can't control anything. We're all looking to control. What can we control? What can be what can we control? I hate it when my fingernails get out long, you know? I get dirt underneath them. The Brahmin is not supposed to have dirty nails or you know, the Brahmin takes two at least two baths a day and you stay clean. But the nails get long and so I cut them and file them back nice and I think, oh, very good. Now it's clean. Suchi. 
Sanskrit word for clean is suchi. So now I'm suchi. And a few days later, I look and they're back. Why is that? I don't want them. I, want them. No, I just want to file them and say, okay, stay. You know? The Brahmins shave their heads for cleanliness. They shave on a regular basis. But it won't stay that way. It comes back. I have no control. I have no control over my digestion. I have no control over my body. I have zero control, except for one thing. Really, you're close. You're close. You're very close. Very wise. Anybody want to venture? What is it that I have absolute control over? Your attitude. Your attitude. I have free will given to me by the Supreme Lord to decide how I deal with any circumstance. And it's all in your mind. It's a function of the mind. You see? In other words, there's really no such thing as suffering. I interpret a certain set of circumstances as suffering. That's what I tell myself. Because of my conditioning. I believe it. You see? So, the only thing that I can control is the way I deal with this material world and those other inhabitants that are here with me. Any questions or anything so far? By the way, this is, I'm, I don't want this to be a lecture. Let's have this to be a discussion. Speak up anytime, anytime you have something to say. There's some nice, bright people here. I think we'll have some good discussion. Any questions or comments so far? answer is you're not God. Okay. <laughs> if you're God, you can do better than this. Think about it. When we learn about uh, Krishna and we see some example of Krishna's pastimes, he's never suffering. He's always in ecstasy. You see? But a part of God, just like the big chunk of gold that you have, you know, we're a small chunk of that, so part of us is like God. Yeah, we're the same material. The but difference you is, God, right? well, we're the same material. At the same time, we're, we're the same time we are and are not. We have personality, separate personality. You can put us all together into one big wad, and we're still separate. It's just like if you're flying over Miami Beach, you may look out the window of the airplane and you see the beach and it looks like this big tan thing. If you've never seen a beach before, you could think it's a big piece of rock or something. When you get close to it, you realize it's a bunch of little tiny pieces of sand. Each, each one of them is individual. You see? Together they make a beach, but at the same time they, they maintain their individuality. So we living entities, although we're made of the same material, the same substance as Krishna, we are still, we have our own identity, 
separate. We always have had it, and we always will have it. Does that make any sense? See, you know, there's a related has a website called Juicy Living Tour. I haven't. Uh -uh. Anyway, she always tells everybody, "Hello, my beautiful co-creators." Oh yeah, flowery, flowery words. Well, I like the idea though that we are co-creators. That's not exactly God, but it's close. Well, you are you are a co-creator because this material world is here for only one purpose. For you to come to, to try to enjoy separate from God. You see? So, based on my desires, I have designed this material world to fit my desires. I'm trying to desire to uh, desire my way to uh, ecstasy, to bliss. I want bliss. The living entity is Satchit Ananda. Sat means eternal. The living entity is eternal. That doesn't mean just going forward. It means going both ways. Some people think, well, no, you're created in the womb, and then you go forward eternal. Say, no. Eternal means eternal. Some people don't understand the meaning of eternal eternal. Always has been, always will be. No beginning, no end. You do not have a beginning. You've always existed. Sat, eternal. Chit, full of knowledge. You know everything. In your liberated stage, you know practically as much as God does. You have access to all knowledge. And Ananda, you're eternally blissful. Your nature is to always be happy. To always be feeling pleasure. That's our nature. That's what we are as eternal living entities. Sat, cheap, ananda. Eternal, full of knowledge, and always blissful. You see? So, that's if we're in the liberated stage. Now, we're not liberated in these bodies. We're in bondage. These bodies are holding us prisoner. You know? And I'm so limited because of my material body. But I have a certain body because of my desires. You see? When the living entity decides, uh, decides that they want to try to enjoy separately from God, they come to the material world. You see? Now some people say, well, why, why do we do that? Why don't we just stay there and enjoy? Why don't we just stay in the liberated stage, the spiritual world, and enjoy there, separately from Him? The reason why is because it's foolish. It's a foolish move to even think that you can enjoy separately from Him. Huh? The definition of God is the source of everything. He that, from which everything emanates. Everything emanates from the Supreme. Therefore, if I want pleasure, it comes from Him. I don't want hand-me-down pleasure, I want direct. Knowledge comes from Him. Ecstasy comes from Him. He's the source of everything. My grandfather used to say, water tastes sweeter at the mouth of the stream. Where it comes out of the out of the spring. 
fresh from the earth. So, the source of everything is God. Now, some people say, why do you use this name Krishna? Why can't you just say God? God is unlimited. God has unlimited names. Unlimited names. God's unlimited. Does everybody agree to that? Anybody disagree? What limitations could, does God have? None, right? So therefore, he's got to have unlimited names. And if he's unlimited, he's also got to have a form. He's also got to have a personality. Don't let somebody tell you, no, no, God's just energy. He is that. He has that manifestation. And he has innumerable manifestations with form and with personality. Some people say, no, no. There is, when God only takes a form when he comes to this material world. The rest of the time he's unmanifest. He's this energy. The universal energy. Some people say, that's what I want. I want to go join the universal energy. I want to become one with everything. Think about that. What would it be like? Let's, let's, let's pause and just explore that for a minute. I'm glad you brought that up, because that's good. What would it be like? Let's say that we achieve liberation into the impersonal Brahman. The Sanskrit word for that is the Brahma Jyoti. Brahma Jyoti means you're in a state of unmanifest energy. You're just energy. Okay? Everything around you is just energy. There is no God with a face or anything. It's just energy. It's light. Anybody ever thought about that? You ever heard of that kind of liberation? What's it like? Can you imagine? What's it like if you were in that nirvanic state? Huh? Quiet. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm someplace where it's real quiet and I'm all alone, I'm going to get bored pretty soon. You know, well, maybe that's just me. All right, it's peaceful. Quiet, it's peaceful. Shanti. Anyone heard that word shanti? Sanskrit for peace. Om Shanti Om. So, I'm, it's quiet, I'm peaceful, I feel real good. I feel happy. Now picture that. Here you are, it's quiet, real peaceful, you're real happy, you feel very blissful. What does that lead you to? What, what would you want next? Are you going to just sit there and feel happy and blissful and quiet for bazillions of years? No. Because <laughs> no. when things are great, when you hear, when you, let's say you go to a concert with a friend, and you're listening to your favorite, you fill in the name, your favorite group, 
And the concert's just fabulous. Aren't you want to go and say something to the guy next to you, the person, you know, your date or whoever? Wow, isn't this great? Share. Share. If you're in the impersonal Vermont, who or what are you going to share with? What are you going to share? Do you know what, there's this Sanskrit word nirvana? Do you know what the definition of nirvana is? And I'm not talking about the, the old rock group nirvana. Nirvana means nothing. A state of nothingness, away from everything. So I can be peaceful, quiet, like you said, so on and so on. Huh? No toys. No toys. <laughs> so we've all been to a point in our lives where we might have thought, boy, I would like to be nirvanic right now. Quiet, peaceful, alone, you know, happy. But are you going to want to stay there? Is it eternal? No. For some, it can be. And I'll discuss those later. Now, why, we ask you, why would anybody be interested in going to the Brahma Jyoti? One, why would we want to hide from the creator of the Brahma Jyoti? Huh? Why would we want impersonal liberation? Anybody? Why would somebody want it? Because it's convenient. In other words, what I want, I want to go someplace, feel real good, nice and quiet, peaceful, away from it all. And I'm going to enjoy some energy. There's some energy there. Whose energy is that? The person from which everything emanates is God. In other words, I want his energy, but I don't want to deal with him. Keep the lights on, pay the bills, keep me going, just keep your distance. I don't want you to have a face or a form or a personality. I want you to just be energy. Why? Why would we want that? Because we don't feel any love for him. When you love somebody, would you want them to just disappear? That doesn't make any sense. You don't feel any love. I'm not criticizing. We're all in that same boat. We came here. We left a loving association with the Supreme Lord. And we came to this material world to try to enjoy separately from him. And we became contaminated, covered over by the material energy. We've forgotten our love with him. We've forgotten how to love. Now some people may say, hey, don't talk. Don't talk to me. I, am, I know how to love. No, we don't. In the material consciousness, it's not possible for us, us to know the definition of love. This Krishna consciousness is meant to make us conscious of Krishna. 
conscious of the love affair that we have with the Supreme. Now, of these unlimited names, why do we keep throwing this name Krishna around? Does anybody know? What's so important about this name? God has unlimited names. Why don't we just use another one? You can use any name of God. He has unlimited names. You can approach Him through using any of His unlimited names. But I often use the example, for instance, uh, if you met the President, President Obama was here, you would say, Good evening, Mr. President. See? Someone closer to him in Congress might say, if it's more private, Good evening, Mr. Obama. One of his buddies from Chicago that he was real tight with before he got elected president might say, Hi, Barack. But his wife does not call him Mr. President, nor Mr. Obama, nor just Barack. I'm sure that if she's typical, she has some other special names, you know? Honey, sweetheart, lover, you know, Pookie, I don't know. <laughs> My little canary, I don't know. You see? Why? Now, if you, if you walked up to him and said, he looked, you know, at Mr. Obama, he looked at the president and said, Hi, honey. I think the Secret Service would grab you before you came. Well, be foolish. But, Michelle, Mrs. Obama, she's intimate with him. So she's got this sweet name that she uses. And when he hears that name, he's thinking, Oh, my beloved is talking. Sweetheart, lover. So, when we vibrate this sound, Krishna, this is a warm and fuzzy, up close and personal address to God. So it's very sweet and loving. It means, my dearly beloved, most wonderful, most attractive. And it can go on indefinitely, describing his glories. My dear, sweet object of my attention, capture of my heart. I mean, you see what I mean? So, when we vibrate that sound, Krishna, Krishna says, who? Who is it? Very special. So, this name and this form of Krishna, Krishna is the original personality from which all the unlimited personalities come from. And why some people want to argue. But what makes you say Krishna is the original? That means you're saying that this Krishna, of all the uh, emanations of Godhead, Krishna is the strongest and most powerful. Not necessarily, they're all strong, but this is the personality that you deal with to love Him and to share a loving relationship. You love, love back. Love, which happens to be the strongest potency. You see? Stronger than fear, it's stronger than everything. 
Now we tried something the other night. Should I ask that, that question again? Let's tr let's try an experiment. Oh. How important is love? Oh, how important is it? On a scale of one to ten, where would you put love? There you got it. Uh, all kinds of other things. Any all types of enjoyment. You know, football. Okay, I got a ten over here. Ten. 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 Any sevens? Huh? Tens? So I think what we're all saying is that love is the most important thing that we... This is our chief desire. I mean, we would give up uh, money if we had pure love. By pure love, I mean love that we don't ever have to consider might go away. Can't go away. Pure unconditional love. No condition. Sweet, wonderful, total, pure love. We would get... Are you saying you would trade everything for this? Then you're looking for Krishna, the supreme lover. Krishna is the supreme lover. Not somebody you'd be afraid of. He's not fearful. Or he's not fearsome. So we don't look at Krishna and say, <gasps> He doesn't incite that. You see Krishna and you think, Oh, look at you. You are so cute. <laughs> Krishna's like, Really? You think so? I bet you say that to all the gods. No, no, you're so wonderful. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead because of the love factor. Why is it that we, all living entities, even animals, you can see. Anybody have a pet dog? What does the dog want? Even cats, they're independent, but they still want it. So, it's kind of hard to tell if your pet lizard wants love, but I'm sure it does. So, every living entity wants love, first and foremost. Why would you look anywhere else than Krishna? The supreme love. The original love. The spiritual love. Shuridam Sarvabhuta. Krishna says, I am the dearmost friend of all living entities. Krishna says, I am your dearmost friend. Never has there ever been a time that you didn't have this relationship with Krishna, except for the last maybe two or three billion years that we've been wandering around this material world. Looking for what? What is that old song that we... Uh, Looking for love in all the wrong places. We're trying to find love. See? Now, sometimes people say, wait a minute now, hold everything, time out. If I was with Krishna, because he's the original, the Adipurusha, the original Godhead, that from which everything emanates, if I was there and I was enjoying this wonderful love, then 
Why would I wander away? Why? Does anybody have any idea? Why would we leave such a utopian situation? Because for love to be complete, for love to be totally sweet, you have to have a choice. Isn't it like that? If you, if you didn't have a choice, if you're the only lady in town, and your husband said, you're the most beautiful woman in town. Well, thanks, I guess. You see what I mean? We had no place to go. If there's nobody else, that's not very romantic. So Krishna's the supreme. He's the supreme lover, which makes him the supreme romantic. When we think of Krishna, we have to think in terms of romance. Romance attracts Krishna. You can't have romance, love without romance. It's got to be romantic. And he's the supreme romantic. So he gives you this uh, idea, this concept, that you have a choice. You don't. But he doesn't want you to think that. If you didn't have a choice, you would be a prisoner, not a lover. He's the most wonderful, the most attractive, the sweetest love. He's the only thing that you could possibly ever want. But he's got to give you the concept that you have a choice. And you, having a choice, get to choose. So when you get to the point where you wonder, is there anything, anything besides you? Krishna says, why don't you see for yourself? You're free to go. You're free to go. So we, the living entity, maybe we might feel like we were wandering around in the spiritual world having all this love affair with Krishna. So is everyone else. Krishna is the center of attention. Krishna is uh, supreme. So it's not like you have to be in, wait in line. You know, It's almost like every living entity has their own Krishna. In the spiritual world, you see. So, but he's the center of attention, and we start to wonder why is he the center of attention? I never thought of that. I've been here for eternity, and it just dawned on me. I mean, what would it be like if I were the center of attention? Wow, boy, what a concept! Me. I'm the center of attention. So in other words, what we've just done is we've taken our consciousness off of Krishna. Krishna is the center of our attention. He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. So romantic. So sweet. Then we start to think, what about me? Ah. And from that thought, so many problems come. We cannot compete with Krishna. Although we, in our liberated stage, we're very beautiful. We have features very similar to his. We are very beautiful, very attractive. You see, but we're not him. So, we start to think, why can't I be in that position? How did he get to be God anyway? Maybe at the next election, I think I'm going to run for God. 
I'm going to be at the center of attention. So we decided to leave. We weren't thrown out. We decided that we're going to leave. We are very powerful living entities. We don't know our power. The reason why is because we're covered over. We're thinking with these bodies. We're convinced that this is me. You see? I'm convinced that I'm a mortal living entity. So in other words, I've just denied myself all these powers that I have. Powers not equal to Krishna's, but incredible. It's, it's possible for us, maybe not in this lifetime, but after some time of practice, it might take us a few lifetimes to get our consciousness, for us to create a planet. We're part and parcel of the Supreme Godhead. We are incredibly powerful. So we start to desire. I'd like to be the center of attention. And Krishna fulfills all desires. Whatever, even if you have a desire that will lead you away from Him. Why? Because He's romantic. He's not cheap. If you're going to be here, you've got to choose to. And you can go anytime you want. Even though there's no place for you to go, I'll create a place for you to go. It's not going to be like here, but I'll create a place. And you can go there and try to be the center of attention and compete with all the other living entities who are also trying to be the center of attention. The center of the universe. And you can see if, we stu if you study, I've been at this almost 40 years, if you study your fellow man, you can see how many people, most people, consider themselves, at least to us, we're the center of the universe of our universe. You see? And I use the example that if we took a group picture, we took a group photo, developed it, we pass it around, who's the first person you look for? Moi. Number one. You see? We're all hung up on us. Sometimes people say, well, you know, for me to feel better, uh, for me to be happier and to have some bliss in this life, I think I need, how to, I need to have to, I should learn how to love myself. No, you love yourself way too much. Get over yourself. It's not all about us. Who's it all about? Krishna! Is our love for Krishna ever per perfect? Well, in the spiritual world, everything is, in, is uh, ever increasing. So, the answer is kind of like yes and no. Uh, by the time it becomes perfect, the bar is, already, the, the bar is always being raised. If it's always increasing, we can never really catch it. We're just following. We're getting better and better and better. But yeah, it can become perfect. But the definition of perfect keeps evolving. It's not stagnant. Spiritual life isn't stagnant. It keeps on improving, ever increasing. Krishna's glories and his beauty is ever increasing. And so are ours. Good question. Yes, sir. 
say, well, how do you know God's not a hurt? Well, he's unlimited. He is a hurt. He is a he. He has, we don't have any pictures of Radha Krishna, do we? Have a, have a deity. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, we'll show you some pictures. Surely we have some. There is Radha and Krishna. Radha, Radharani, is the feminine form of Krishna. She is his enjoying potency. She is the loving potency. Now, in the spiritual world, remember I told you Achitya Veda Veda Tattva simultaneously one and different? They're the, they're the same soul, two different spiritual eternal bodies, but yet they're different. In other words, he doesn't know what she's thinking. As a matter of fact, he can't understand her. And you can see by you know, he can't understand her. Why? Anybody know why he can't understand her? Not just because she's feminine. Because she loves him such an incredible to such an incredible degree. He can't understand. Why do you love me so much? So, she was actually stronger. And any one of us can love Krishna to the point that he gets to where he becomes amazed. How is it that you love me this much? See? And it's as if you've purchased it. When you perform loving devotional service to Krishna, it's as if you own him. I'm talking about true love. Now, it doesn't mean we can trick it. We can control God thinking, I want to gain control of God, so I'm going to pretend to love Him. You've got, when you achieve pure love of God in Sanskrit, that's called Prem. Krishna Prem. Pure love of God Total love of God It's as if you control it. He can't think of anything but you. He swoons. We're swooning in here, we're swooning in here. So, this Krishna is controlled by love. When we chant this Hare Krishna, Hare, uh, the beginning that Hare is Hara. Hara is praying to his feminine form, Radharani. We approach Krishna, yeah, yeah. We approach Krishna through Radha. If you want to get to Krishna, you've got to go through her. So I'm praying. Hare Krishna. Oh, energy of Krishna. Oh, loving Radharani. Please engage me in the loving devotional service to Krishna. That's that prayer. But it's not to Krishna. It's to her. You have to please her to get to him. So we beg her, oh, please, let me serve you. I mean, let me render some service to you. And then she says, oh, very good. Why don't you come and render service directly to Krishna? But if we think, oh, you know, 
sometimes we see people in the material world and we're kind of we're a little puffed up. I mean, after all, we are the center of the universe, right? We're trying to be the most everything. We're not the most anything. You know? And sometimes people say, I don't need all that. I'm just going to go God directly. I can just approach God myself. You ever heard anybody tell you that? I can go directly to God. Okay, let me see. What's keeping you? How's that working for you? I mean, I can go on and on. If you can, what are you doing here? If he's the greatest, most fantastic, the ultimate goal, why are you here? You can go anywhere. So that's what we're trying to do, is we're trying to spread this Krishna consciousness, which is consciousness of Krishna, consciousness of our uh, love affair that we've always had with Krishna. We've always had this for eternity. We always will. But right now, while we're in this material world, we've become covered over by material thinking. And we've the, the, the biggest problem that we have is we put ourselves in the center. I think I'm so important. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm the most fallen. No, you're not. You're not the most anything. Think of ourselves as insignificant. Now, how do we do that? How do we let go of this uh, conception? We've been competing for billions of years with all the other living entities to see who's going to be top dog. You see? How do we let go of that? We have to focus our attention on Krishna. Become conscious of Krishna. Once we get, once we've chanted Hare Krishna enough, we start to realize, you know what? I'm okay. I don't have anything to worry about. I don't have to compete with anybody. I'm not this body, so I'm never going to die. The body may leave, but so what? But now when I'm starting to be conscious of this Krishna, my dear most friend. And as you approach Krishna that way, Krishna, when you take one step towards him, he takes ten towards you. You will feel his presence. You will be aware of your relationship with him. You will feel his embrace. He's very warm and fuzzy. He's, he's mushy. So, if I'm in a situation where I don't have to worry about me, I'm okay. I'm eternal. I have Krishna as my dear most friend. I'm alright. I don't need anything. I don't need anybody's attention. I don't have to do anything to get attention. Unless I'm trying to say, hey, wake up. All of you, please wake up. Embrace this Krishna. This is so sweet. Don't let another lifetime go by. Don't let another moment go by. End your suffering. Suffering is over. When you become Krishna conscious, you are no longer suffering. You no longer feel unloved. Has anybody here ever felt unloved? Show of hands. Anybody? 
Have you never felt that? Or has anybody never felt on that? You've never felt on that? Never? Congratulations. That's high consciousness. Because it's not possible for us in our, in our right frame of mind to feel unloved because we've never been unloved. We've been loved for eternity by the Supreme Lover. Just because our consciousness became covered over doesn't mean His did. He's immune to this material energy. He's in love with you while you're in this coma. You're in this material coma. It's like we're, you know, it's like we're there and you got the little things with tubes in your nose. Beep, 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 you know, in the hospital. You're in a coma. Krishna's there right beside you. When will you wake up? When will you be finished with this attempt to do it on your own? But take, take your time. But he's there with you. As we leave the spiritual world trying to get away and go out on our own, Krishna sneaks along as the Paramatma, huh? the super soul. You've heard uh, the Christians say there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, this Paramatma is the Holy Spirit. Krishna comes along. He's right next to you. You are a living entity, and you occupy your body somewhere in the region of the heart. That's you, the soul. And right next to you is Krishna. It's like two birds in a tree. You're desiring, he's fulfilling and observing. Now we have to forget this, some of us have this concept of God as like a punisher, he's a heavy dude. You know, you do something you didn't like and you're going to pay. It's not like that. He has the law of karma, as you sow, so shall you reap. For every action, there's an equivalent reaction. So in other words, you just write your own way. Do whatever you want. Pay the consequences. That's called karma. We've all heard of karma, haven't we? We all have karma. I did, I received. Karma, actually there's a misunderstanding. The Western world hasn't fully understood where karma means a good reaction. I did something nice, I get nice treatment. And then there's vikarma. Vikarma means I did something nasty, and I get nasty reaction. So, we don't want either one of those. I don't want good or bad karma. I want no karma. I want akarma. Akarma means no karma. Karma is a material reaction. Let's say that you're a wonderful person all of your life. The sweetest, just a sweetheart, you know? Wonderful. You do good things to everybody. At the time of death, you've got so much good karma that you have to take birth and receive all this good karma. That sounds good, doesn't it? But you've forgotten your, your uh, destination. We want to get out of this material world. We want to get out of the material bodies. We want to go back home, back to Krishna. I don't want good karma. I don't want bad karma. 
I don't want karma, I don't want v-karma, I want a-karma. So when you check out at death, your account is zero. Nothing good coming, nothing bad coming. Now how do we do that? Anything, any service that we perform, any activity that we perform as a service to Krishna is a-karma. Zero. As a matter of fact, it will wipe out all of the other karmas. You perform loving devotional service, keyword loving, devotional, devoted, loving devotional service to Krishna. And your good and bad karma are zeroed out, you get a karma, which is what we want. Freedom. That means at the time of death, we don't have to take another body. We're liberated. We don't have to stay here. We can go back home. So, how do we do this though? How do we perform? This sounds like flowery words. Performing loving, devotional service to God. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Like that sounds real, huh? How can we do that? What would we do to perform loving devotional service to God? Any ideas? Where would we start? Among ourselves. Huh? Among ourselves. That's a good place to start. Yeah. Serve our fellow man. Take myself out of the center. Okay. Now, what's the highest service that we can do to our fellow man, our fellow living entities? What's the best, most wonderful thing we could possibly do? Huh? That's, that's, that's a beginning. The greatest service we can do to anybody is to help them get out of this fog of illusion. Come out of your karma. I mean, this coma. Get out of this coma. You're in this illusion thinking you're this body. You think you're a part of this material world. You think you're the center of the universe. You think this. You think that. You've forgotten Krishna. To help someone become Krishna conscious, conscious of Krishna, and regain their lost relationship with him is the highest devotional service. Now, you can cook a meal for Krishna. You can perform all of your actions, thoughts, and your words, always thinking. Krishna says, always remember me and never forget me. That's what he wants. Always think of me. Now you can have two people, let's say you have like an office building, and you have uh, inside the office building, you have two men that go to work, or two ladies, two people. They go to work, they work in the same building, on the same floor, for the same company, their cubicles are next door to each other and they do exactly the same occupation. One is performing devotional service and one is not. How's that work? Because the one that's performing devotional service is always thinking of Krishna. And I do everything for you, Krishna. I go to work for you. See, whenever I prepare something to eat, I think of you. Lord Jesus Christ said, at least think of me when you eat and drink. 
not that we just go grab something and slam it down. Where's the source of it, my dear Lord? Let me make some offering to you. Thank you. Thank you for this wonderful food that you've given me. Thank you for your kindness and your love. You see? Now it's not just eating. If I'm going to be um, an engineer, let me be an engineer for Krishna. See? In other words, everything we do is part of our worship. Loving Krishna, remembering everything that we do. And if we're thinking like that, when we see someone else, we think, oh, you must be my dear friend. You must be. Before you and I came to this material world, we were serving Krishna together. I can't remember. It's like you've heard this term, soulmate. You ever thought you wanted to find your soulmate? You ever thought like that? We're surrounded by our soulmates. We're all soulmates. There's no distinction between you're not any more of a soulmate than you are. We're all soulmates. You know? We've been, let's say that we've all been in this material world 100 trillion years. Sounds like a long time, right? But in the scope of eternity, it's not even a nanosecond. We have been together serving Krishna with loving devotion assisting each other, serving Him, for eternity. We're soulmates. We know each other. We know everything about each other. And we love each other. We actually, in our liberated form, we love each other unconditionally. In our liberated form, we can't find anything not to love about our fellow living entities. The only time that this comes into uh, gets to be a problem is when we come to this material world. And now I've got to grab all the gusto that I can before he gets it. And he helps me with this guy. He's aggressive and he wants more than his share. So do I. I want more than my share. But he's my friend. So he helps me to try to overcome him. But yet he's got a friend over there. And you're such a nice person, you'll believe what I say, so I can kind of overcome you. I can make some promise to you to get some enjoyment. If I want to enjoy you, I'll make some promise. And I've been doing this so long that I'm very expert at making promises, making you think, I care for you. Oh, you're so special. You're the only special. Because I want something. I want to enjoy you. Love means I don't want to enjoy you. Pure, unconditional love. Unconditional. We say this all the time, but we don't think it because this, is, this concept is a little foreign to us. In other words, love without expecting anything in exchange. I expect no return. I'm not even demanding that you love me. That's not part of the deal. I love you, and you can't stop me. I just love you. 
If there's a reason why you love, it's tainted. Why do you love? Because I do. Because you're you. How could someone not love you? In the material world, we wonder, what do you love about me? I can't think of anything I don't love. Now that's spiritual thought. Doesn't have to have, or it doesn't have any return. I get the privilege of loving. Now what happens if we go around loving? We never feel unloved, you see. Because our consciousness is upside down at this point in the material world. I want to enjoy. Isn't it? Does everybody want to enjoy? Does anybody not want to enjoy? Okay, we as liberated living entities, we're not enjoyers. We are the enjoyed. Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. We are to be enjoyed. In other words, we please him. When we please him, we feel great joy. You see? We enjoy when he's happy. We enjoy because of our love. When you love somebody and you do something that makes them extremely happy, how do you feel? Wonderful, right? You would rather have that than for them to be doing for you, right? It's a higher taste. That's what we are as spirit souls. We are enjoyed. We're not enjoyers. In this material world, we're trying so hard to enjoy. When we, when we try to be enjoyed by the Supreme Lord, when we try uh, our best to please Him, we feel incredible joy. We become addicted to it. Addicted. The addiction grows and you want more and more. To think that you've done something to make Krishna smile. Or you've done something, some, some act of love, some sacrifice that you did for him, that it makes him cry of joy. Can you imagine that? Did you see that picture that we passed around of this, this Krishna? Can you imagine? How would you feel if you did something that pleased him so much that he started to shed tears of joy? And ran and embraced her. Pretty sweet, isn't it? Krishna likes to hug. He likes to hold hands. Yes, he likes he's warm and fuzzy. I think this probably sounds a little better, at least to most people, than the idea of the whirling energy, the you know, the impersonal Bhagavad Buzzing energy, nirvana, all by yourself. See. There is that liberation. You can go there if you want. You can. It's very difficult, but you can. If you read Bhagavad Gita, it tells you how you can get there. 
Krishna is so kind that if you want to go away from him, he gives you a roadmap on how to go away from him. If you develop some faith that will take you away from him, he will enthuse that faith. He will give you the faith that you need to pursue your track. He's not jealous. He's not envious. He's not insecure. He knows he's Krishna. He knows he's the most wonderful object. And he knows you're going to be back. I just don't know when. But you have free will. You have to have free will for the love of fair people. So, uh, our request is please help us in spreading this Krishna consciousness. Yeah? Tell people God loves you. That's not enough. Start. God loves you. He wants your love. And that's truly all He wants. That's all He wants for us. It's not a very demanding love. So anything that any of you can do to help us spread this Krishna consciousness. We don't charge many yoga paths. This is called bhakti yoga. Many yoga paths make some charge. You know, gurus make some charge. I'm not talking, if you go to somebody's shop that has a yoga place, they have to charge because they have to have, they have rent they have to pay. You see, they have to charge. I'm some guru, you may go to some guru who says, oh, I'll show you. God, just give me money. Turn and walk away. <laughs> Or run, run, exit quickly. There's no charge for Krishna. Any questions? Yes, sir. Oh, you're next. Go ahead. Karma. Karma. Dharma. Dharma is the Sanskrit word meaning religious duty. Religious duty. Some people who are not very religious just call it duty. Dharma means uh, what you should do. But you have the ability to say what you want to do. You may not want to do what you should do. And we see that. Sometimes they're elected officials. We know what they should do, but they don't do that. Husbands and wives know what they should do. They don't always do that. Boyfriends, girlfriends, I mean, you know. The world. Most people have some idea of what should be done. They do what they feel like they want to do. Because I'm not looking out for you. I'm looking out for me. You see what I mean? Dharma means... It's prakriti. Our, no, our nature. Our nature. After Prabhupada explained it, like the Dharma of water is significant. Yeah. So what you are. Yeah. What you should do. Yeah, the Dharma of water is to be liquid. And he talks about how our Dharma is serving in whatever circumstances. Our Dharma is to be enjoyed by Krishna. The Dharma of fire is to be hot. 
So we're trying to be something that we're not. We're trying to be the enjoyer. In a whole world of people who are trying to be the enjoyer. And you can see it's not working that well. Some people say, well, why can't we, we maybe we can make heaven on earth. No, we're not. We're not going to make heaven on earth. If everybody became conscious of Krishna, it would be heaven on earth for a while, but then in a short time, everybody would leave. We'd all go back to God. That's okay. Are you asked? We can empty this planet. Ah, no. Duty. Did you have a question? Oh, uh, yeah, it's kind of twofold. Number one is, is uh, love of Krishna, a religion. And number two, how old is it historically? Oh, okay. Is it a religion? No. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says in the 18th chapter, 66 verse, he says, what does Krishna want us to do? In other words, Arjuna, the other person in Bhagavad Gita, after going through the whole, the whole conversation between Krishna and Arjuna, towards the end, Arjuna says to Krishna, My dear Lord, what's the ultimate secret? What is your most... Because Krishna would tell him some secret, then he would say, and now even more confidential than that. That's why Bhagavad Gita is something everyone must read. Very confidential. And then Krishna says, even more confidential than that is this knowledge. And then more confidential still is this knowledge. So at the end, Arjuna says, all right, what's the most secret thing you have? You know, your best advice for me. Sarvadharmapariki. Krishna says, give up all forms of religion and surrender to be me, to me. Be my devotee, be my lover. That's the object. Sometimes religion can get in the way. Now some people say, how is that? Because you get into being in the religion. You forget the source. It's just like Let's just say you're staying at, the, at a hotel and uh, you have to catch a plane tomorrow morning. So you ask them at the front desk, could you send the car around to take me to the airport? And they say, yeah, yes, very good. Seven o'clock, yes. So there you are up front, car pulls up, you get in, they take it to the airport, and you're looking at this car thinking, Man, I really like this. A limousine. Boy, it's just got all this room. It's got a bar. This is really great. So the limousine pulls up in front of the airport, and this guy says, Here we are, sir. El Paso Airport. And you're just staying in the vehicle. Like, oh, man, look at this. Oh, look at this leather. Wow, this is great. Gosh, check out this stereo. Sir, excuse me, but we're at the airport. But you're too you're too attached to the the vehicle that took you to the airport. You don't want to give it up. You've forgotten about your destination. I don't even know if I want to go home. I like this. So they identify. See, I find a, a situation in religion 
to where I can be the center of attention. I can get some fame, some notoriety. You see? So I become attached to religion. And Krishna says, hey, wake up. I'm the destination. Give up all forms of religion. Surrender to me. Become my servant. Be my lover. That's what you're... That's what you, Until you get that desire, you, you can't really do much except wander around this material world. You see? You've got to have the desire that I just want Krishna. That's it. Once we have Krishna, we have everything. I can't possibly want anything else. So, uh, historic, uh, this conversation of uh, Krishna, he came first to this planet, this last creation. Now the world goes in different creations. It's not something that just there was a big bang. First there was nothing, there was a big bang, there was a world, and there's going to be an end of the world, and it's going to be void again. It's not like that. It's eternal. This world keeps, it's, it's, comes out of creation and it goes through phases and then it's annihilated only to be recreated again. Go through its phases. You see? So in this particular creation that we're in now, uh, Krishna appeared 5,000 years ago. Because we were going into uh, an age called Kali Yuga. Yuga means a age, a long period of time. This Kali Yuga is 432,000 years. And so, at that time, the demoniac forces had taken over the world. And they weren't like the demons of today. They didn't pretend to be your friends. Most elected officials are demoniac. They make all these promises and they tell you, give me, my, give me the vote and I'm going to do for you. And simply there's just so much stealing, plundering. But at least in those days, the demons were, they were such gentlemen that they, told, they would tell you, I'm a demon. I'm a demon and I'm in control. You better do what I want to or I'll kill you. Not some trickery making you think that, well, you know, I'll give you some toys. I'll give you the internet, and I'll give you all these other things. Make you think you're getting more and more enjoyment. So, uh, Krishna didn't want, out of his mercy and love for us, he didn't want this age of Kali, the Iron Age, the age of quarrel, war, hypocrisy. He didn't want that to get off on a bad foot with the demons in charge. They had overthrown the, the righteous kings. So he came and instigated he didn't fight himself. He instigated and maneuvered. He's a joker. He caused a war that annihilated the demons and established saintly persons. Because he knew we're going to have a hard time in this age. It'll be worse for us. If it didn't get off to a positive start. He came for other reasons too. So, historically, now we can go back to Lord Ramchandra, which was in a previous age, 
Lord Ramachandra was maybe what, 10,000? 10,000 years ago? 12,000? Well, even in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that he spoke it first to Vibhasana 100 yeah. million years ago. Yeah, 100 million years ago is the first time Bhagavad Gita was spoken. But these things really don't have a beginning. You know, because we're in the material world, we want to see beginnings, but there aren't any. There's no beginnings. Anything spiritual couldn't happen. The British, when they took over India, when they occupied India, they tried to dispel the Vedic literatures because their uh, their people that they came, that they sent to govern India, they were getting into the philosophy. And, uh, they were starting to hear this philosophy, and they thought, "Oh, this is so wonderful!" So when they would go back to England, they would be telling, you know, the, the people in England, the generals and king, queen, whatever, they'd be telling, "Oh, wow!" They said, "What do you think about India?" "Oh, India is this and that, but boy, what a philosophy! It's just wonderful." And so the British government started trying to destroy, the, discredit the Vedas because if this catches on, then actually India will take over, they'll defeat us. India is a very docile nation. They've never attacked another nation, ever. So they had to dispel these things. So they started out on this whole uh, campaign to uh, destroy. So they said, well, this Lord Ramchandra, he didn't exist because in the story of Lord Ramchandra, he built a bridge that goes to Sri Lanka from uh, India. And it's so big and massive. Where is it now? And you can go there and you can look. There is no bridge. So they're saying something this wonderful and mag magnificent, it would still be there, or at least some trace of it even after 10 or 12,000 years. So then about, uh, what was it, 1991? What? When they started doing <clears throat> the Google Earth, you know, the Google Earth program, is anybody familiar with that? You know, you can look at sections of the... So they were flying over, taking photographs, and as they were piecing these things together, this one gentleman was looking and he's looking at Sri Lanka off the coast of India. And he said, hey, what's that? And they looked, and underwater there is a bridge. You can see it from space. So they sent divers down to check it out, and there's these massive stones, big as this room. Square, cut, and there's a road, there's a bridge. 12,000 years, it's sunk. But there is a man-made, it's there. But that's impossible. There was no technology to cut stones the size of this room and put it together and get it out of the water. So it's there, but it's impossible. Just like the pyramids. It's not possible for the pyramids to be there. They're there, but it's not possible. <laughs> this is material thing. Faith. 
What's after faith? Does anybody know? What do we do after faith? What do we get? Okay, faith, hope, where should that go? If it's true, knowing. Krishna says in the 7th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, one who, one who becomes my devotee, offers loving devotional service, knows me in full. We're not operating on faith. I ask people to have faith to get you going to find the pump. If you don't get to knowledge, you didn't do it right. You will know. We're not talking faith. There's no blind faith. We know. There's no doubt. And the only way to do that is to have some patience and to develop. Develop what? Love. When I start to love him, he reveals everything to me. To the degree that I can love him, I will actually associate with him, even though I'm still in this body. I get to have his sweet presence. And he goes out of his way to uh, help us remember. Did you have a question? At the time of death, uh, as I said before, we're very powerful living entities. We really don't know our potency. Uh, but our potency comes from Krishna. He fulfills all of our desires. So at the death, the sum total of our desires decides our next body. Whatever our desires are, we get. As I think it's Oprah Winfrey that said, be careful what you wish for, because you might get it. No, you will get it. If you want it, I mean, not for, but if you think, oh, I really, oh, this is my desire. If you may not get it tomorrow or next month, maybe not even this lifetime, but you will get it. Krishna fulfills all your desires. We're like spoiled brats. You know, like Bill Gates' children. Rich man's child spoiled. Whatever we want, Krishna gives us. Until we want Him. When we want Him, if that's the sum total of all our desires at the time of death, we get Him. So if one puts his body thinking of Him, desiring Him, he gets Krishna. But you get Krishna before death. You don't have to desire. You don't have to die. I've talked with. For the last 40 years, I've talked with many different people in different religious faiths. And to my knowledge, all of them expect you to die to get the result. But Krishna consciousness isn't like that. You get it long before. You get, you get the reward. You, get, you achieve the goal long before death. As a matter of fact, to a Krishna conscious person, death doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
the only time we're concerned about our untimely death is because it might interfere with my service to my dear Lord. You see? I may think maybe he wants me to do something else for him. So I need to take care. I need to take care of my health, drive properly, you see? You know, like that. Out of love for him. Because I don't know yet what else he wants me to do. I know he'll tell me. When you give your life to Krishna, Krishna's happy to accept it. <laughs> he'll take it. The perfection of human life is to become an instrument of Krishna. It's just like when somebody plays guitar. Does anybody here play musical instrument? Yeah? What do you play? Huh? Keyboard? See, your, your keyboard is your instrument. You know what, you, what sound you want it to make. And it's completely surrendered. You play it. It doesn't say, well, let me do an E here instead of a C or a no. It's so surrendered. It's your service. And you can make beautiful music. It's just like if you go to a, a piano concert and the pianist comes out and plays this remarkable piece. I don't know if you like piano or not. At the end, everybody stands up and they applaud like everything. Are they applauding the piano? Are the artist. So we want to be like that keyboard or the guitar or the piano. We want Krishna to play us like an instrument. To that, for that it takes love and it takes loving surrender. And believe me, he'll play. <laughs> oh, he'll play. He will give you um, ability that you never knew you had. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, I am the ability of man. So just when we get to the point where we may think, my dear Lord, I don't want to be the center of attention. I want you to be the center of attention. I don't need fame, profit, adoration, distinction. I just want you. And then Krishna says, oh, you want to be my instrument? Oh, I'm going to play you like a violin. I'm going to use you. I'm going to work through you. So then sometimes the devotee may get some fame, adoration, distinction. But he knows. No. You may say, this was very nice. No. You're, you're crazy, my dear Lord. You should applaud the, the artist, not the instrument. The instrument's just it's a sweet way to live. Being played by Krishna. It's liberation. In other words, you get the goal of human life. You get to experience it. Like who are we? Was that you were talking? You get to experience it now. So Oh, who's getting tired and hungry? <laughs> Sick and tired. Is Beto back yet? No. 
Or we've got to save Betos and Prasada. I, I really would feel badly. We have a... Huh? Yeah, he, he said he'd be back in an hour. But, um, so, are there any more questions or comments? Criticisms, chastisements? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for association. It's really sweet to get in front of all of you. So.